right, thanks Wesley. Thanks everybody for being here with us this morning. We're so glad that you are a part here with our EB family, whether you are watching us online or you're present here on our campus. We are so thankful to have you to be present. Today is my favorite Sunday. Today is my favorite Sunday of the entire year. And those of you that have been with us for a while, you might remember why this is my favorite Sunday. It's because it's VBS Day. Man, you pull on campus and you've got all the Bible school characters who are out there to wave and welcome all the kiddos in. Man, it's always got a lot of energy. There's always a lot of fun. And it's great to see the excitement that all the kids have when they see the characters. And don't worry, they're going to be coming in a little bit later. Going to get some more, to more feel of our characters coming up in a few minutes. But we get excited about this because we want our kids to be excited about God things. We want our kids to be excited about God's story. We want our kids to be excited about learning God's ways. And so, man, we have been preparing. We have not been able to do Vacation Bible School since 2019. All right? That's the last summer that we were able to uh, welcome all the kiddos here. And so, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday nights, 6 to 8 o'clock, Scooby-Doo and the Mysteries of the Parables... It's going to be right here, and so moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, friends of all ages, come back tomorrow night and have a, um, have a great time. You can pre-register your kiddos if you have not already. Going to eastbrainerchurch.org, you'll find it under our kids' ministry page. It's also, I think, right there on, on the main page as you, um, as you pull up that, that website. We want, you to, we want you to come. We want your kiddos uh, to be a part. Just register random kids and bring them, you know? To just register some random kids, you know, pick them up, walk, drive to their house and say, hey, I registered you for East Brainerd's Bible School. And they'll be like, yes, all right. And then, you know, you just grab them up and go. You know, that used to be how things were done, right? Some of you remember how that when it was, you know, Bible school time, people just kind of, you know, they loaded up the vans, they loaded up their camels, whatever they had, and every, every kid in the neighborhood would go to all the different Bible schools because that's where you got your Kool-Aid and you got your cookies, right? And there were gifts for whoever brings the most, and it, it, was, it was this exciting time. So go find a random kid. Bring them. Get them here. It's going to be, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a whole lot of fun. And speaking of a lot of fun, um, kids have had a fun time here on our campus this summer. Uh, we were glad to be able, again, to bring back, for the first time, I believe, since 2019, Camp Big Fish. And so uh, we have been hosting here on our campus Camp Big Fish, which is a Christian day camp. And uh, it, has been, it has been a great, great summer. Miss Lisa and her staff have done a fantastic job. And what I love about Camp Big Fish is it is not just the fact that you know you get to go swimming and there are you know crazy shirt and pajama days and all the different things they get to do what i love about camp big fish is the fact that they are intentional they're intentional about sharing the love of god and the good news of jesus christ for these kiddos that, that, that's the focus that they put it in a very safe environment it's a fun environment for the kids but the the main thing is kept the main thing and that's what um, I appreciate. I know that we've invited some of the kids and their families to come and, and to be with us uh, today. And so sitting around you could be some of our campers and their families. We appreciate so much your kindness in um, trusting 
Camp Big Fish with your children, but also trusting them here on our campus. We greatly appreciate that. We hope that you have had a, um, a good summer. Miss Lisa, thank you for everything that, uh, that you have done. And if you don't mind, just stand up and just, just do this for people so they know. Miss Lisa runs Camp Big Fish here. She's done a great job with all of her volunteers and helpers. Man, she has, she has been awesome, and so I appreciate what she has done, Jeremy, for the leadership that he has at all the different uh, locations and campuses, and we just want to say thank you for providing a, a safe and spiritual and fun summer for, um, for all of, of the kiddos. And if you are here with us, and uh, your kids uh, have been a part of Camp Big Fish, and you heard uh, Wesley say earlier about, hey, we've got kids praise and we worship that takes place in our children's center. If you want your kids out there, don't worry, they'll be returned to you. They're all going to be coming back in here a little bit later. And they're going to get a special vacation Bible school um, uh, invitation uh, given to them. So they will be back here. And then for all of our children's ministry, whether you are um, you call East Brainerd home, or whether uh, this is your first time with us, for all of our children's ministry and their families, when we are done in the room here, there's going to be popsicles and ice cream sandwiches in our FLC. Okay, that's the area that the kids normally hang out in, our gym uh, for Camp Big Fish. Popsicles, ice cream sandwiches that are going to be in there. There are not going to be any children's classes after this. Instead, the kiddos and their parents are all invited to the FLC for uh, popsicles and ice cream sandwiches, all right? And so if any of the rest of you want to skip the class that you normally go to, we got extras, all right? Just find a random kid, bring them with you, all right? That's what you got to do. Hey, today we are wrapping up, we are wrapping up our simple series. It's been the focus of this summer where we have looked at the simplicity of following Jesus, and we've just tried to listen, we've just tried to watch and, and learn if perhaps following Jesus is actually just a little bit more simple than maybe what we have heard or, or what we have been taught before or maybe just what we, we thought ourselves. Now, we did not call this series easy because there's nothing easy about following in the footsteps of Jesus. There's nothing easy about Jesus' teaching or, or Jesus' life. There's nothing easy when we're trying to learn how to deny self and take up our cross and follow after him. There, there's nothing easy about having mercy and, and being forgiving. There, there's nothing easy about pledging our allegiance to Jesus and, and allowing him to have total control of whatever is taking place in our life. There, there's nothing easy, we found out, to, to slowing down, even though Jesus said, just take a break and, and rest every once in a while. And guys, there's certainly nothing easy. It's difficult, really, to, to try to love others like Jesus, especially those that, that don't always like us and, and don't always do things like we like to have them done. And yet Jesus says, this is my expectation for, for my followers. It's not easy. But also what we found is that it's actually not very, it's not very complicated. In Matthew chapter 11, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are weary and, and burdened and, and have heavy loads on you. He says, I want you to, to take, take my yoke, my, my lifestyle, my, my teachings, and I want you to learn from me. He says, I want you to learn how to do life, and I want you to learn how to slow down, and I, I want you to learn how to, how to love. I want you to learn how to forgive. I, I want you to learn what it means to be a true follower of God. And in turn, he says, you will find rest. You'll find rest for your soul. And so this summer we have watched and we have listened. 
And we have learned. We have learned that there's an expectation that God's, God's disciples will be kind and demonstrate hospitality in the community in which they live. We have, we have learned and been reminded that our differences and our disagreements can never overshadow the love that we are supposed to have one for another. We've been encouraged to, to put all that into our politics and stop allowing candidates and issues and legislation divide the people of God. We've been encouraged to be known for our mercy, to be known for our forgiveness. Um, we've been encouraged just to take some naps and just to calm down a little bit and, and to rest and to go off by ourselves and relax. We've been encouraged to, to be a blessing. To live our lives so that, so that we are a blessing for others. So that when other people know us, they realize, wow, I, I've, been, I've been with someone that's different than the people that I'm normally with. You're, you're different than the people, some of the people I work with. Some of the people that are in my own family. Because Jesus says, you follow me and you're a blessing. It's simple, right? Well, it's a lot easier than we think. We're going to look at one more simple, simple example today of what it means to follow after Jesus. But, but the first thing that I want you to do, and we're going to be, by, by the way, in, in Luke chapter 18, if you want to open up your Bibles there. Uh, but as we look at this final simple characteristic, I, I want you to turn to the person that's beside you or behind you or in front of you, and I want you to tell them something that you do well. Okay? Something that you do well. Something that you're good at. All right? All right? I want you to, I want you to do that. Now, if there's nobody around you, you go find somebody. And you go ahead and tell them, here's what I do well. Okay? Turn around, look behind you, make sure nobody's left out. What is something that you do really well? Now look, I know some of you really struggle with this. You struggled right now. You don't like to brag, I know. You don't, you know, you don't want other people to think that you're conceited, especially somebody that you do not know that well. And so maybe, you were, maybe you're just a little hesitant to turn to somebody who was beside you and say, you know what, I make good grilled cheese. So that's what I do. That's my jam, grilled cheese. Man, maybe you didn't want to do that because, you know, you just didn't want people to leave thinking, well, I can't believe the person I met at church today, you know? Now, then there were others of you, man, you jumped on this because you didn't know where to start and you still don't know where to end. I mean, there's other things you're thinking about and you're like, when we are done, I am going to go, I'm going to tell them this, yeah, because I make great grilled cheese. That's what I do. I want you to know about it. I want you to be able to celebrate. Now look, everybody is good at something. Everybody's good at something. And uh, whether you are, I mean, whether you're a good teacher, whether you're a good listener, whether you're great at, at business, whether you excel athletically, everybody is good at something. And I hope that what you're going to do is lean into whatever is your strength. Lean into that for God's glory. You need to do that. God has blessed you for a specific reason. You're unique. You are, you are a one of a kind, and you have something that nobody else has. So lean into that, even if it's just making great grilled cheese and do it for the glory of God and share those grilled cheese with someone else. But here's what we've got to be careful of. 
We have to guard against seeing ourselves through the lens of accomplishment and achievement and success and glory. And that can be hard sometimes, where we begin to to rank ourselves. We begin to to rank others based on what they are good at or, or what we can do and what we can achieve. And here's where we really struggle with this. Here's where we really struggle. We struggle with the fact that we like to compare ourselves to others' discipleship. Well, we would like to compare ourselves not to how well you can make grilled cheese, but how well do you serve God compared to me? What do you do for God? Because I'll be quick and I'll be happy to tell you what I do for him. Luke chapter 18. Jesus describes a simple attitude. In verse 9 it says that he tells a story. He tells a story who to people who were confident in their righteousness. Individuals who took pride in their own righteousness. And individuals who looked down on everybody else. You see, these people were really good at being really good. That was their thing. They were spiritual high achievers. They were the religious teacher's pet. And not only were they really good at being really good, they were really good at telling everybody else how really good they were. They wanted to make sure that everybody knew. And so Jesus is going to tell these individuals a story. Parable, maybe you've heard it called. He's got a story for those people who look down on others and and think that they're better. And you're sitting there going, whew, and I thought this lesson was going to be for me today. Right? I mean, I I thought Chris was going to be talking to me about something. But I'm glad. I'm glad it's not about me. It's about, hmm. If you read this and you thought about somebody else, Maybe this lesson is more for you than what you thought. To those who think they're better than others. He says in verse 10, two men went up to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a tax collector. Now guys, here are two people on the opposite ends of the spiritual spectrum. You've got this Pharisee who was certified holy. You've got this individual who did all that he could to make sure that he was right with God and wanted others to know about it and wanted others to be right with God. He was well respected. He was a religious leader in his community. And so there he goes up to the temple to pray. And along with him, Jesus said, comes a tax collector. Someone who often in the Bible is just described as a sinner. Someone who had decided to take advantage of his countrymen and to line his own pockets with the money that his brothers and sisters made. He was shunned from his community. He wasn't respected at all. He couldn't even participate in synagogue. And notice what happens in verse 11. It says the Pharisee goes and he stands and he begins to pray. He begins to pray and and notice what the prayer is about. He says, thank you, God. That's a good place to start, by the way. It's always good to start off saying, thank you, Lord. Right? And you begin to, and then probably for you, you talk about all the blessings and all the goodness and the mercy and the forgiveness and all the things that God has poured out in your life. But not this guy. He says, thank you, God, that I am not like other people. Because I don't cheat. I don't sin. I don't commit adultery. And he says, I'm certainly not like 
this tax collector. Now, you've never said that to God, right? I mean, you've never gone to God and, and said, God, I just want to thank you that I'm not like my husband. God, I just want to thank you that I'm not like my mom. God, I am so thankful that I'm not like my boss. God, I'm so thankful I'm not like my preacher. You've never prayed that, right? I mean, you've never, you've never said that. Maybe you've never said that, but maybe you never used those exact words. But, but I, I think there's still some, there's some of this that creeps into our life. And we might not just say it exactly like this Pharisee, but I jotted down some things here that maybe point to something that's in our heart. You might not say that, but maybe you said this. You're not going to talk to me that way. You're not going to talk to me like that. You see, pride says, you know I'm better than you. You know I'm better than you, and uh, since you know I'm better than you, you have no right to come and to speak to me like that. You can't confront me because I'm going to get defensive and I'm going to get sensitive. Now, guys, if you've never had anybody who's come to speak into your life, speak into your life, perhaps truths about God, and to say, hey, where are you? What are you doing? What's going on? What's on your mind? Where were you coming from on this? If you've never had anyone who's come and to speak into your life that way, it's not because you don't need somebody to. It's because you've communicated. You don't talk to me like that. You don't say that to me. How about this one? I'm not going to be the one to apologize. I mean, if they want to apologize, that's fine. I mean, but I'm, I'm not going to be the one to apologize. Besides, why should I apologize? I haven't done anything wrong. Right? Because if pride tells you that you are better than the other person, why would you have to go and apologize for anything? Right? I mean, it's like, look at me. I got it all going on. Why apologize? I haven't done anything wrong. Or how about you said this one? It's not my problem. It's their problem. If only he would change. Said that before? If, if only he, he would change. If only she would make just some adjustments. If, if only she would do things a little bit different. You see, pride allows us to put others under the microscope so that we can see all the things that they do wrong and yet miss all the different problems that are in our own lives. Jesus said it like this. Be careful. He says, be careful because pride will make you see every single speck in your friend's eye. Every little thing that they do wrong. He says, but then you miss the big plank. You miss the big log that's there in your own eye. All the things that you are misstepping. All the things that you say at the wrong time. All the things that you fail in. Oh, but it's not my problem. It's their problem. All right, about this one? Man, this is one. Kids, I'm sorry. This is for you today. It's not fair. It's not fair. You know why it's not fair? Because if it was fair, since I'm better than he is, I would have gotten on the team. It's not fair because since I'm better, I should have gotten the promotion. It's not fair because since everybody knows that I'm better, I should be able to enjoy what she is right now enjoying. It just makes sense. If I'm better, then I should get it. I deserve it. I deserve the money, and I deserve the car, and I deserve the house, and I deserve to have my name up in lights. I deserve everything that you just got. Why? Because I'm better. So I can't celebrate with you. 
I can't be excited because of what you are now enjoying. Instead, I can just be, well, ungrateful and discontent. You ever said any of those? Let me, let me give you one more. How about this one? Thanks, but I don't need your help. Ever done that before? Right? Oh, thanks, but I've got it. I can take care of this. We are totally dependent on ourselves, and we don't need God. We don't just need you. We don't need God. Listen to the Pharisee's prayer. God, I thank you. Oh, it sounds like he's going to start off at a good spot. I thank you that I'm not like everybody else. He doesn't need God. He doesn't need any help. He's got everything covered. He's got it all taken care of. You see, pride keeps us from realizing how desperately dependent on God we actually are. And so you might have never said, God, thank you for the fact that I'm not like all the other people in my life. Thank you that I'm not like the rest of my family. Thank you, Father, that I'm not like everybody else at school. Thank you that I'm not like my coworkers. Thank you I'm not like my spouse. You might never have said anything like that. But you have, haven't you? You have. Jesus continues with his parable, verse 13. And he introduces us to the tax collector. And he says, the tax collector stood... Where does it say this tax collector stood? At a what? A distance, right? He stands at a distance. He doesn't even try to, to approach God, it doesn't seem. He knows where he has been. He knows what he has been doing. He recognizes both his condition and he also recognizes his need. And so he says, Father, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me because I am a sinner. And we don't, we don't understand the, the word picture that's painted here. As Jesus says, he goes and he's, he's beating on his chest. He doesn't care if anybody else sees, but he knows that God is watching. And it's all about emotion and it's all about authenticity. There's no rehearsed prayer here. There's no just standing here and reading some words on a screen and mouthing them. It's real. See, the Pharisee believes that God should be impressed, and the tax collector just hopes that God will be merciful. But here's the thing. When Jesus tells this story, the people know that God won't. Don't miss this. When Jesus says that the tax collector stands way over here off in the corner and he's, and he's crying out to God, have mercy on me, a sinner. He tells this story and all the people that are listening goes, tough. Because God doesn't listen to sinners. He made his choice. He chose his profession. Nobody forced him to do this. Nobody made him act this way. So it doesn't matter what he says. It doesn't matter what he does. He's a sinner. Guys, have you ever thought the same thing about somebody else? This is the get personal in the middle of the lesson kind of thing, right? Have you ever thought this way about another person? Somebody that was maybe overcome by addictions? Somebody that didn't go to church a lot? Someone who'd abandoned their family? Somebody that goes and spends the weekends clubbing? Somebody broke, broke the law. 
Who is it that you are sure that God will not listen to? Oh, you know that God will hear your prayer. Right? You know that God will hear your prayer. You ask for mercy. You know God is going to hear it because, I mean, just look at you. But who is God not going to listen to in your mind? Who is it? The adulterer? The homosexual? The alcoholic? Who is it? Now, guys, here's where we've got to be careful. Here's where we've got to be careful because there's something within each of us that believes that God has to hear me, but he doesn't have to hear you. God will surely listen to me, but he's not going to listen to them. God is going to answer. He's going to give me what I ask for, but not for all those other people. Be careful because Jesus is about to drop the mic and turn everything upside down. You see, in verse 14, he actually rebukes the Pharisees' prayer. And then he commends the tax collectors. He says that it's the self-effacing sinner, not the self-righteous saint, who actually goes home in a right relationship with God. That's the one. But we go, whoa, 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 whoa. Wait, Jesus, you have mixed up this whole story. And you've got it all wrong. What you meant to say was... That it's the Pharisee that goes home right with God because just look at him. I mean, he fasts twice a week. And then the law only commands him to do it once a year. He does it twice a week. And he gives 10%, not just of an income, but anything he gets. So he goes to the market and he gets some strawberries and then he goes and he gives one of those away. He's a great guy. He does all the good things. I mean, Jesus, just look at how he dresses. And Jesus, just look at how he talks. And Jesus, just listen to how he, what, prays? I did. I listened to how he prayed. Guys, be careful telling Jesus what you think he should say or what he should do. Be careful telling God how he should act. And how he should respond. Instead, how about we practice being, what, humble? And admit that we ain't him. We're not God. And so we work on showing a little, what, humility? In verse 15, Jesus says that those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who humble themselves, he says, will be exalted. You know, I've learned that people come to church a lot looking for quick fixes. I don't know, maybe you came today looking for that. Maybe you received an invitation and you thought, hey, I'll go to church because things aren't really going well right now in my marriage. Things aren't really going well in my finances. Things aren't really going well at work. And maybe if I go to church, maybe I'll hear something that's going to be this good quick fix and it's going to take care of a lot of different things. Maybe there's some debt. Maybe there's some addiction. Maybe there's some relationship issue. And so you came and your attitude was, all right, preacher, just tell me what to do. Just tell me what to do. You just tell me because what I'm looking for is some outward action. An outward action. But here's the thing, guys. We want an outward action, but we neglect interchange. It's like, come on, just, just tell me something. Just tell me something. But guys, I'm here to tell you this morning, there is no substitute for humbling yourself before God. There's no substitute.
And this might not be what it is that you really wanted to hear. It might not be what you wanted this morning. You're like, all right, look, okay, I get it. Humility. It's a big deal. God likes it, all right? But I really need something that can fix what's going on between me and my spouse. That's what I need. Or, all right, all right, humility, right, I, I got it. But, but, you know, I'm struggling with this struggle that I just can't get by. Or I'm struggling with things at work. I'm struggling. I'm about to have to go back to school, and I know what's going to happen. And all right, if, if you'll just give me something, tell me what I can do. Tell me what I can, tell me what I can say. All right. Go stand way over there in the corner. Or, or you go find some place far removed from everyone else. And you beat your chest. And you say, God, have mercy on me. Because my sin is always before me. Don't tell God all the things that you do well. And don't make your case as to why God should bless you and give you what you ask for. And don't give reasons why you, you should have all those things that for some reason he hasn't so far given you. Don't, don't, do any of those, don't do any of those things. Don't tell God how lucky he is to have you on his team. Instead, you say, God, I need your mercy. I'm the one. Guys, a humble heart draws God's attention. A humble heart. And maybe here's something that you've missed. I know that in the past I have overlooked this when I've read this particular story. But I think it's the key to everything. Notice, if you would, what Jesus says the person who is lifted up does. What is the person who God raises up? What does that person do? You want something to do? Say, what can I do? But it says that he, it says that she humbles themselves. It's not something that happens. It's a choice that is made. Oh, there's coming a day that everybody will be humbled before God. That's coming. But right now, you have a choice. You have a choice. You're not passive. You're active. And maybe this could be the key to the mystery that is the trouble you're having in your relationships. The key to the mystery that is the difficulty you're having in your finances. The key that, that is the mystery to, to all of those struggles and the addictions that you're dealing with and all the problems that are going on. You don't need Scooby-Doo. You don't need Scooby-Doo to tell you. Now, I want you to come to Bible school Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday. I got those out of order. See, I admitted it. I'm humble. I want you to be at Bible school, but you don't need Scooby-Doo. I just have to be willing to admit that I need Jesus. That's what it is. I have to be willing to acknowledge that I need Jesus. That I need Jesus' mercy and that I need his peace. I have to be willing to acknowledge that I need his forgiveness. That I need Jesus in my marriage. I have to be willing to acknowledge, I need Jesus in my politics. I need to be willing to acknowledge that I need, I need Jesus in my office, and I need Jesus in my classroom. I need Jesus in the bedroom. I need Jesus so he can teach me how to live, so he can teach me how to give, 
So he could teach me how to be a blessing. But most importantly, I need Jesus because I'm a sinner. I need Jesus because without him, it doesn't matter how good I am. Guys, it's as simple as that. I think it really is. You go to him. You learn from him. You learn how to do life, and you learn about God, and in return, God says, I'll give you rest from all of that struggle, all that weight that you've been carrying, all of that trying to be perfect. I will give you rest from that. So why don't you humble yourself? Go to Jesus. Because unlike you, he is great at being God. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. And he will lift you up. And he will lift you up. Father, we don't know, we don't really know how to humble ourselves. We have such a hard time with this. We have a hard time because we live in a culture that promotes greatness. And everybody wants to win, and we're told that everybody should win, and everybody gets a prize, and everybody, everybody should achieve. We should all be successful, and we want to be able to tout all the things that we've done, all the things that, that we can do, all the things that we're good at. And then we start looking around, and we compare, and, and, and then we move from just the, the worldly things of our life, and we move to those spiritual things where we start looking at others who claim to be followers of Jesus, and we start saying, well, I'd do it better than that. I do better than they do. And so then we come to you expecting you to listen to this prayer. Anticipating that you will hear us all because we think that we are good. But Father, this morning, we want to thank you for the mercy that you have shown us through Jesus Christ. And we want to acknowledge that we are ever dependent on that mercy. Because, Father, we are still sinful people. And without Jesus, Father, we know that there is no hope. But, Father, we praise you and we say thank you today because of Jesus Christ and because of the blessings that flow through him, because of the salvation that comes through him, because of the mercy that we have received. Not because we are good, but, Father, Jesus was great at Calvary. And so we praise you for that. And we say thank you. And it is our prayer that today and tomorrow and the weeks and months to come, that we would just be simple followers of your son. That we would humbly submit to you. 
listening to what he teaches, going to where he leads, being a blessing to those who are around us. Father, it's a lot easier or more simple than we have been led to believe. During those times when we, when we struggle, during those times where we are, seems like that, and we just can't get anything right, Father, we remind us of the grace that comes to Christ. Remind us of the love that you have for us. Remind us that it is simple. We can always come home. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. Church, we're going to sing together. We're going to sing together a song that says, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. And we want you to know that if you'd like to talk with anyone about the message today, we have, we have someone in our prayer room, one of our elders, one of our spiritual leaders here is going to be in our prayer room that's just in our lobby off to the side. And you're welcome to go there and have a private conversation if you would like to have that. Maybe some of you would like to come for this church body and say, you know what, I, I've been trying to do it all on my own for so long, and it's time for me to give it over to Jesus. Maybe you'd like to be baptized into Christ this morning. We would love to celebrate that with you. Guys, don't leave here thinking that it's hard. Don't leave here thinking there's a lot of hoops that you've got to jump through in order to be near God. God has drawn near to you. Would you come to him as together we stand to give him praise?